Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. My name is Dan Hughes. With me today is Will Wojcikowski. Will is the risk officer here at Von Nelson. Welcome, Will. Thank you. Glad to be here. So I'd say this to start off the conversation. Risk officer very poorly describes your role here at the firm. Uh, could you enlighten us a little bit more on, on what you see your role as and, and maybe redefine that a little bit better for us? Well, our I guess our role for uh, risk uh, risk management or for the risk officer is a little bit different than what you may think uh, typically. And that is because since we are fundamental stock pickers, we believe that our risk management is actually done up front with the due diligence of doing uh, the due diligence on the company before you put the money to work. Uh, the reason we say that is because after you put the money to work, you're wearing all of the risk that is inherent in that company's business. So what we do at Von Nelson is we probably do something <clears throat> a little bit different and we call it risk uh, monitoring. And what we do is we look at the portfolios and we understand that our managers have a certain style. So we like to make sure that A, the portfolios are actually following that style. And then also on, on top of that, then you know managers may have a certain tilt or, or exposures that they want to have at a certain point in time, and we make sure that they also have those. Uh, the reason why that, that's probably a little more important at a fundamental manager shop is that they are very, uh, I guess, have intimate knowledge of the details of the company, but when you put all 60, 70 companies together into a portfolio, uh, the net exposures may be a little bit different than, uh, than what you may expect. So... That's, that's, that's really helpful. Uh, so your, your background, um, undergrad at Carnegie Mellon, two master's degrees in statistics, PhD in statistics. Uh, you were briefly a university rec lecturer. Um, by all accounts, that's you know, 10 plus years in, in academia through your, both your studies and, and uh, your lecture uh, time. Um, why the transition to the private sector and specifically finance? Well, I, f I found that the, uh, the private sector, I just enjoyed working there much, uh, much more. I, I actually worked at, uh, with government agencies also, and I just found the, uh, the private sector to be uh, much more enjoyable in terms of, I guess, the freedom allowed to do things. And then also your access to resources is a lot different than, than academia. Uh, now, of course, though, uh, I guess one big difference is, is that, of course, you, your work has to have some type of uh, marketable value to the firm. Uh, you can't, we can't just do pure research here. Now, why finance in particular? Well, I, I really, uh, I guess, towards the last two years of my PhD program, uh, I guess I was introduced to mathematical uh, models for finance. And, you know, I, I found that, you know, some of them, you know, didn't really seem to be all that realistic, even though, you know, we have tons of data in the realm of finance. We have lots of different models and mathematics that we can apply to that data. Uh, but we, you know, my thought was that a lot of these models didn't seem very uh, realistic and, you know, started to do some applying these uh, different data and different models to the financial data to see if something better could be done. Uh, I, I guess the thing is that we have tons of data in this world. However, we are still starving for knowledge. And why is that 
possible? Well, I think that you know a lot of it is that you know statistics is a relatively new field, uh, you know, relative to other uh, disciplines such as physics or biology. Uh, and then also the computer, although now we may consider the computer as an, as an old tool, uh, it's actually fairly new. And once we started to have high-powered computers that can sit on top of your desk, that really opened the world to a lot of uh, being able to use a lot of different and more powerful statistical methods that you can then apply to disciplines such as finance that just have uh, lots and lots of data and require that type of horsepower. So, so if, if I'm reading you correctly, you know, the, the high-level academic skill that you've brought on um, in terms of, of transitioning that to a, a private sector, investment management almost seems like it was a, a natural progression. Yes, I, I think that there's, there's, there's a lot of things is that my uh, skill set, I think, enhances and brings something new to the table uh, when you compare it relative to what somebody would have through a typical, I'd say, MBA finance program. Uh, they may do mathematical models there, certainly, and have some quantitative analysis, but the level of that uh, education is more of, I guess you would say, a consumer of statistics and not necessarily someone who would know all the nuts and bolts and how things are going to fail and, and not work and also, you know, what's the right method to apply here you know, versus, you know, in a different situation, what might be the right method. And then also we have a lot of times, you know, we, we may read some papers and they have a lot of analysis in them using statistical models. And we can, you know, you have someone then that can sit there and say, okay, well, that model makes sense. It doesn't make sense. Here's where it's not going to work or it will work. And so that's, uh, that's the type of skill set that you typically don't get with a uh, MBA finance degree. All right. So at the beginning, you, as you were describing your role, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was you know, the risk monitoring that you provide helps to align the expectations of the portfolio manager and make sure that those translate through into the portfolio. Uh, can you start walking us through you know, sort of a, a typical day, what you're actually doing with regards to the portfolio? Um, because you, you don't sit as a traditional, your seat's a little bit off to the side from a traditional portfolio management role. Um, also, it's a little bit to the side of, of a traditional analyst role. So where do, where do you blend into the team? And again, you know, where are you looking at from a day-to-day? -day? Well, on each day, I, you know, I, I do look at the uh, portfolio, some analysis on the portfolios each day. And what I'm really looking for is any type of information that say something unusual is going on or something is happening in a way that the portfolio manager might not expect or might not want to be happening. And we do that uh, in, in two ways, I guess two uh, high-level ways, is one, look at the exposures of the portfolio. Uh, in general, we just call those uh, factor exposures. And then the other thing, too, is then uh, attributing where the returns of the portfolio come on daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly basis of, of those portfolios. And anytime I see anything that you know, looks unusual for us or our investment style or goes against what we expected, then I will uh, communicate that across to the, uh, the PMs and possibly the, also the uh, RAs. Great. Great. 
So, so if you, if you were to take a you know step back from a from a more top down perspective, you know what what are your your main objectives here? Is as you're as you're guiding through, um, you're not making investment decisions, but you're helping the direction of the portfolio. So, w- how would you outline you know, the main objectives that you're you're trying to uh, deliver to the team and in, in, uh, uh, in an effort to be uh, accretive to the overall uh, portfolio management? So what I'm trying to uh, provide to the portfolio managers and to the to the team is information that's going to help them decide whether they need to make a change in the portfolio or not. Uh, just because we see something unusual, uh, we don't have any uh, hard cut limits or anything where the portfolio manager has to take action. We just sit down and, and discuss, you know, how this would affect the portfolio or what we could expect going forward. And if the portfolio manager is okay with that, then they may let it go. If not, then they will uh, look for possible ways to uh, change the portfolio and uh, possible input on, on how, to, how to do that. So within uh, the two of the three equity strategies that we run here, uh, the select portfolio has the capabilities to both short and use options. Uh, the small cap strategy um, more recently has uh, changed its prospectus to enable its uh, enable its the use of, of shorting. Um, can you, and I know that you when when we go through in these investments uh, within each of those portfolios, uh, your role has has been enhanced um, much more on, on in terms of actually looking for uh, the securities to get invested with. Uh, can you describe what, what's going on there? Um, and, and then again, you know, your role uh, as it slides a little bit away from, you know, traditional risk management, but more toward, you know, security selection. Yes, we have, I, I guess the uh, first thing is just for straightforward, I guess, some some of the equity positions. And this is uh, probably used more in select than in the any of the other portfolios. Uh, so... The portfolio manager has a good idea of where his portfolio, uh, or sorry, where a company's exposures will land relative to his benchmark and also relative to the other companies that are in the portfolio. Uh, now, for our select product, that may be more on, you know, before the company is put into the portfolio, the portfolio manager may come to me and say, hey, how will this look or how will this affect our portfolio if we put that in there? Uh, now, that's very uh, much important for the select product since we only have 20-some names in there. And one name that becomes a large position could affect our uh, exposures in a way that the manager may not want them to. So we do that kind of on a, you know, before the position gets put in the portfolio. Uh, and the second uh, way that we've been doing is we have also have the ability to do uh, option strategies and that's in again in the select portfolio, and so what we're really doing there is we're trying to uh, get more use out of our fundamental analysis on the companies. So while a lot of people think of option strategies as being in the quantitative realm, uh, we have more of our fundamental analysis driving those selections. Now the quantitative part or, or my part comes in is helping to decide, you know where and exactly which options we should be selecting and whether those look like a good deal or not. Uh, But the fundamental uh, analysis on the company really kind of drives a lot of the, I I guess, a lot of the decision-making on on the options. So so essentially what you're saying is this is a 
a way to further express your pre-existing view of a, of a specific company? Yes, that, that's exactly right. So we try to uh, enhance our returns and to get more out of our uh, fundamental analysis, since that is what uh, Vaughn Nelson is, is known for, and we feel that that is where our uh, abilities uh, are at. Great. So you know, as, we, as we're coming to the end here, as we start tying this up, it sounds to me like as, as what you're looking at from risk management, it's, it's less about volatility, right, as, as you're thinking about traditional risk, right? It's less about volatility, but more specifically, it's, it's about the interaction of businesses that, that we own. It's about uh, the risk factors, and it's about diversification. What else can you share with, with, uh, with the audience here that um, they, we can really drive home with them uh, that think about when they think about risk, it's, more, it's less about standard deviation, and it's more about what? No, that, that's, that's exactly uh, right. Uh, the reason we stay away from the standard deviation is, is that, you, you know, that gets related to uh, VAR-type measures. And those measures are, are good and have their certain purpose, but for helping a fundamental manage, manager uh, enhance or make their portfolio, you know, be something that's of value to helping the portfolio manager for our, uh, for our style, is more you want to get something that is closer to the fundamental business of the company. And so that is what we try to do here. So instead of looking at correlations between price action and using those to help determine what our risk level is, what we're really looking at is exposures. And the reason why that is important for us is that, of course, we all know that you know, if you take two oil companies, our exposures are going to be very similar. However, you may also get a lot of companies that have similar exposures, even though they're not in the same industry. And so what could happen then is your uh, portfolio can end up doubling down on a lot of different type of exposures that you wouldn't want or you weren't expecting. So then the portfolio may behave a lot different than what you might think as you get pushed around from market moves instead of the uh, stock specifics of the companies. So that's where we're, we are probably a lot different. And we also take more of a holistic approach where we're kind of looking at, instead of looking at each factor exposure on an individual basis, as you would get the output from any typical risk software, we're kind of looking at not only the relationships between the companies and the factors, but we also look at the relationship between the companies for diversification purposes. And then we're also looking at the relationship between the factors themselves. And now all three of those types of relationships, we like to look at also what are the dynamics or how those change through time. Uh, the reason why that's important is because at one point in time, your portfolio may look a certain way, but as the relationship between the factors changes, your portfolio can then end up having a lot different type of behavior, even though if you look at a one at a time basis at each factor, it may not look a lot different than what it did in the past, but your portfolio could actually uh, be a lot different than what you think it is. And, and so just given what's going on and, and how rapidly the markets are, are moving these days, you know, how, how different do you really notice this? Is it a, a month to month? Is it a week to week? Is it a, a quarter to quarter? You know, how, what's the frequency that is an appropriate rate to, to look at the strategy uh, and realign those risk factors? Now, when you really notice this, uh, since we're a longer-term manager, I mean, we have a three-year investment horizon, uh, a day-to-day -day movement, 
eh, isn't that big to us, but we have tools to make sure that we that the day-to-day -day things are that we're riding through noise versus whether there's a signal there. Now, when we really notice that we have a large change in these factor relationships is when you start to see large, I guess, type of, I'll just use the word uh, macro event as a generic term there, and you see these large kind of structural shifts uh, throughout the uh, market during, during those times. Uh, an example is uh, after the housing crisis, when we had the Euro crisis, we could see a lot of uh, rapid shift and changing in how the market was structured then and how those factors behaved and how our portfolios were positioned. And then uh, a more recent example that we saw is, you know, as the Fed is making their decision and going was going through whether and how they were going to raise rates, uh, we saw a lot of change there in the factor exposures. And then we also saw as the uh, oil, which we can use as just a generic uh, indicator for inflation or deflation, as we saw the price of oil start uh, dropping also, we saw a lot of change in the factors then. So as we get these large themes going through the market, we will start to see uh, a lot of changes in the in the factors. But uh, fortunately for us, that's actually a good thing because it's it would be very difficult to invest if everything changed from a day-to-day -day basis. You wouldn't be able to make a decision and put a position on. You'd have to constantly be changing your portfolio. But the world uh, fortunately doesn't work that way. Of course, great. Well, good. Well, great. Well, this has been really terrific, Will. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, appreciate your time. And uh, if anyone there is listening has any questions or thoughts or anything that they'd like to share with the portfolio management team here, team here at Von Nelson, please feel free to reach out to me at dhughes at vonnelson.com. Thank you. Thank you. Compliance code 19067421111. Job pod 110. Important information. The analysis and opinions referenced herein represent the subjective views of Daniel Hughes and Will Wojciechowski on August 20th, 2017. They are subject to change at any time based on market and other conditions. There can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted. Actual results may vary. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Any reference to specific securities, sectors, or markets within this material does not constitute investment advice or a recommendation or an offer to buy or to sell any security or an offer of services. This communication is for information only and is intended for investment professional use only. This material may not be redistributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. Although Natixis Global Asset Management believes the information provided in this material to be reliable, it does not guarantee the accuracy, adequacy, or completeness of such information. Provided by NGAM Distribution, LP, 888 Boylston Street, Suite 800, Boston, Massachusetts, 02199-8197. Compliance Code 19067421. Job Pod 110-0817. Expires 1-31-2018.